always having trouble with his luck. You little Sammy Dummy minigod. Ouch, what a terrible performance. Get the hook. Get it? You don't swing it like you used to, man. Yet I have to give you Well, 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 what have we here? Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at MouseMadnessPod or send us an email at MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com and join us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang for access to many episodes and other bonus content at Patreon.com slash MouseMadness. Kyle, we're back. Uh, Hope everyone had a safe Halloween week or is it or is it halloween week right now right I now don't know. H- happy halloween week uh, that's what i, I, I <laughs> don't know i week. don't know what day it is anymore <laughs> happy halloween week uh, this episode is coming to you live and direct uh pre-recorded and direct on october 25th we hope that you all are having a safe halloween week Halloween. uh we hope that you have some great plans for the weekend uh, i am very excited to debut my halloween costume to the world it is going to be very fun very disney inspired it is going to be great but uh we're not talking about halloween right now we're talking about halloween adjacent things we are talking the latter half of the best disney villain song bracket after our round of 16 we found that this happens quite often chris uh, when we do some of these where the front half of the bracket is very contentious like they are you'll choose one, I'm going to choose one almost all the way through. That's exactly what we had in part one. And we really put our guest host to work. And that guest host is back for another part of this bracket. It is Mandy. Mandy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, before we started recording, you had said that you spoke to your your fiance and he was like, I want to get on this podcast because I want to tell the world how... Uh, fiduciary banks should have taken the crown uh i'm sorry that you had to put up with that for the past week <laughs> it's all good um i have to put up a, lo- a lot with a lot of things so um it's just one thing to add oh my goodness have you had any okay so you you're saying that you and tess do these virtual oogie boogie uh nights or you have in the past uh has there been any aspect of these virtual events any aspect of the oogie boogie bash that you feel like either blew your mind or had you scratched in your head oh man i mean i really want to go do villains grove that looks mm. incredible and then the parade with the gravedigger shovels uh it all looks so fun um so i'd say that those are like my top two things that i want to do just watching the virtual things um and then yeah all the treats look fun um, I always love seeing some Disney treats, what's new, what's out there. So, uh, one day I'll experience it in person, but until I get more money, that will have to wait. <laughs> so <laughs> they, uh, they rolled out some new face character villains and one of them is Sid from Toy Story. And I think that I would 
be very confused as to what to do with myself sitting there watching this dude talk about these toys. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Oh, he's the acting is so good, though. I've seen some brilliant TikToks of him just roasting people's costumes. And oh, OK, uh, I'm into it. It's yeah, it sounds amazing. So, oh, the dog is back. Dog agrees. Yeah. Dog agrees. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for coming back. We're excited to get back into our best Disney villain song bracket. But before we do, of course, we're going to need to have a drink in hand. Chris, what is your spoonful of sugar for this episode? Well, uh, while we're uh, recording this episode, um, I'm either (laughs) taking it easy or I'm getting ready for World Series Game 1. I don't really know what I'm doing right now. But either way, I did not have time to go to the liquor store. So I'm drinking a Diet Coke. (laughs) All right. Diet Coke today. A little soft drink style. We love it. <laughs> what, what, what about you? Well, either congrats on going to the World Series or congrats on reaching the off season. I don't. I guess congrats both ways. And also, I'm sorry. Maybe we'll figure out uh, when we release this episode which one of those applies. But for now, to celebrate Halloween, I have a Rocktoberfest beer in honor of our headless horseman who chucks a jack-o'-lantern head this is a german style lager brewed with why oh man wireman i hope that nina's not listening to this episode i'm gonna get roasted i'm not even gonna try it is a lager that is uh brewed with some pilsner and uh marzen malts and it is from almanac brewing co here on the east bay in alameda it has a a german pumpkin headed man eating some schnitzel I think that's a waxed mustache he's got there, too. (laughs) High diddly D, baby. High diddly D. He's got himself a waxed mustache. Look at him. He's also got his little, like, Pinocchio hat on. He's rocking there. So Bavarian boy. Bavarian boy. Uh, So this is in honor, originally, of the Headless Horseman, but now it's in honor of our Bavarian boy, Pinocchio. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mandy, what do you have this week? Uh, So this week, I was also pretty lazy, and I got a $4... You know, those box of $4 wine coolers from Trader Joe's. I got the peach flavor, and uh, we're going to call it Be Peach Prayered. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, there was Effective. a commitment and an abandonment Effective. in the same breath that you just got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, everybody. Uh, after the stellar, stellar spoonful of sugars, it is time to see if we can stop the segment. It is time for our pull of the pod. We are going through 50th anniversary of Disneyland upper deck trading cards in the search for Mr. Tom Morrow, who was an animatronic figure in Rocket to the Moon and Innoventions. And we want this card because it was weird. I'm now starting to think that that card does not exist and we were shown a phony one on the internet and we've been chasing this imaginary dragon forever. But... Could today be the day in which we find it? I sure hope so. First card, 1955's Disneyland Railroad. Now, I think we've gotten a Railroad-esque card before, but I don't think it was this one because this has a photo of Walt and Mickey uh, on the train. It's like a stuffed animal plush Mickey. It's a debut attraction card. Obviously, there's some uh, info about the trains on the back. and. Yeah, that's fun. I've never heard of this card before. <laughs> this is great moments, and it's called Main Street Sings. Uh, it, mm, 
is that like the candlelight processional sort of so where it's like holiday choir themed and they tell the story of christmas yeah so it that's where my mind went but i don't know so the card on the front has a a, a ton of people organized on the train station looking towards the castle so within the park there's a ton of people so this must be the candlelight processional but on the back it says a spectacular display of music and lights and music lights and magic main street is illuminated with an impressive choir but it doesn't give us any context as to when this is or was there is like a big like formation of people that look like they're making a um a christmas tree in the center which makes me think that this is the candlelight processional but i've also never seen the candlelight processional i thought it was just like a couple bandstands with like choir people and they sang and there's a speaker but this is like an entire production interesting card nonetheless wish it was tom Next one up, 1955's debut attraction of Rivers of America. Like Mandy's it. home like away it. from home. Uh, like this it. is place hosts Tom Sawyer's Island in which uh, Mandy and her brothers used to go wreak havoc uh, without the supervision of her parents. <laughs> they were around there somewhere, but we were in the caves <laughs> with Tom Sawyer, so we didn't care. <laughs> and then the last card, which is not tomorrow, is... One of the five lands cards, and this one is Frontierland. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, Frontierland, which has my personal favorite music loop uh, on the Sounds of Disneyland uh, website, is a obviously one of the five lands on the front. It is a black and white photo of people walking by the Davy Crockett shooting gallery. Like I've brought up a ton of times, there's been too many shooting galleries at Disneyland parks. And then on the back is a photo of it looks like the pirates, uh, like the pirate ship from Tom Sawyer's Island. So there's that. No Tom Morrow. And our attraction poster is a very interesting one and actually one that I really like and now kind of want. Uh, it is for the Disneyland Hotel, but it's very mid-century and it says stay at the Disneyland Hotel. Oh, that's a good one. That yeah, that's really a classic. This is a very, very good poster. Uh, it is super mid-century it shows the the old style of the disneyland hotel where there used to be like it was more of a motel looking two-level hotel destination with this side pool and it was more of this it wasn't owned by disney at the time it was this other company that just licensed the rights out to the name but this poster is just phenomenal i'm gonna start looking up this poster i'm gonna end up owning this poster it's Mm -hmm. gonna be right here you're gonna see it in jerry's gang pretty soon right on the wall behind me Great attraction poster, great attraction card, but it is no Tom Morrow. And Chris, we only have, oh man, I'm just going to repeat it every single time. We have, we have this many. We have, now we have eight. I said eight once upon a time, but now we truly have <laughs> eight more decks of these cards. That four is more episodes. Four, four more, four more brackets for us. Four more brackets. Uh, and then we're donezo. So, Here's to hoping that Tom is in this. I've been really bad about running our Instagram and haven't posted a lot of the uh, the pull of the pod cards. So one day I'm going to just be like, here's all, almost all of them <laughs> <laughs> if you care. Uh, so they'll be up on our Instagram story eventually. But that is pull of the pod. Uh, no Tom Morrow. 
let's uh let's start getting back into the songs a little bit here yeah just to remind everyone the demographic we surveyed for this bracket of originally 16 villain song was Muppet Haunted Mansion reviewers on the internet. Uh, we synthesized all of their opinions on uh, what the best Disney villain is, and we put together a bracket. We've narrowed things down to a round of eight, where we have the number one seed, Poor Unfortunate Souls, versus number eight, Gaston. Number four, Friends on the Other Side, versus number five, Hellfire. On the other side of the bracket, we've got number two, Be Prepared, versus ten, Shiny, and number three, Boogie Boogie song versus number six, Brother Knows Best. Kyle, I started things off on the last episode. Why don't you take us away this week? Cool. So I'll start with Poor Unfortunate Souls because we talked a bit about Gaston last time. Um, Poor Unfortunate Souls, Howard Ashman, Alan Menken. Uh, Ashman actually recorded a demo of the song to send to Pat Carroll, who's the performer and the voice of Ursula to convince her to take the role. And now Pat Carroll continues to do the voice of Ursula for basically anything that Ursula is featured in. So any of the more updated, uh, like the House of Mouse stuff in the early 2000s, any of the park stuff, those voices are recorded straight, strictly for the attractions themselves. Pat Carroll is still doing them. So that is super cool. I love when a character, when a, when a voice actor really loves the role so much that they're willing to come back to do it for everything. Uh, I like that. So uh, Pat Carroll, she was on uh, Laverne and Shirley. She was on the show ER. Like we said last time, there's a lot of villain songs here that talk about or that are themed around manipulation. And this is really like the one seed for a reason. It's kind of the quintessential manipulation song. Uh, Ursula is trying to convince Ariel, that she is using her powers for good this time, although she has been known to use them for bad. That's how she got her moniker, the witch. And she, uh, but she makes people's dreams come true. Meanwhile, she's singing in this like cave area where all of the other little soul, like shriveled up soul people are. And she's just like, oh yeah, I do good. And they're just like these big yellow worried eyes all around her, which lets the audience know that those are people that have made deals with her and that it has never turned out good so we are obviously being like ariel's dumb as hell for making this decision because she's going to end up like one of those shrivelly shrivelly little slug boys on the wall we see i like that we see this like very cool calm collected uh, ursula at the beginning who's like there to sweet talk her way into this deal she's letting ariel know that she has a past but she's totally changed uh, she she even reveals that if people don't pay on time, she has some sort of debt collector punishment in which they have to pay up. She drags them across the coals. She uses poor unfortunate souls to to as a way to convince Ariel to become a poor unfortunate soul herself. This is like poor unfortunate souls that needed my help became poor unfortunate souls because they have lost something in order to gain what they wanted as the song builds her impatience shows up and i think that's very uh standard in villains is that and especially disney villains is that they let their impatience or that one flaw of theirs shine through and that ends up being their demise and here she at the very end she she's pushing ariel to literally like make a choice she says it in it like come on you poor unfortunate soul go ahead make your choice she's screaming at ariel like freaking just sign sign the contract i have you i have you right here 
it's a good song because it's an important plot point. Uh, the negotiations of this kind of sign the contract and let me try and convince you are obviously way more interesting in song form. Uh, and it's just, it's just good. This is a good villain song. It's solid. It's the number one seed for a reason. It's very iconic. And people, people know what you're talking about when you use the phrase poor, unfortunate souls. Gaston is this tavern hype song. And Chris, you brought up something that you only kind of touched upon very lightly in the last episode, but you mentioned that this is like a song of almost loyalty from the tavern people to Gaston. And that's why we empathize with, um, with Belle for kind of being different and seeing through all of that. But that's almost what even makes Gaston even scarier is that he has this very relatable, uh, admirable essence about him that is able to convince these town folk that he is this kind of living God, this, this perfect human that they all want to be around and that they're willing to follow. It's, it's a dangerous thing to have a leader who has a bunch of blind followers. It's similar to like why Scar is so powerful is because the hyenas are such idiots that are willing to do whatever he wants, however he wants them to do it. And Gaston is the same way. We see it in the mob song, and that's not what we're talking about, but it all culminates into this mob mentality riot at the end. And it's because people love him so much. As I brought up last time, we see that he's not always great. He's also a little, he's a little scummy. He's a little bit of a, a, a cheat. He, he doesn't play nice. In wrestling match, no one bites like, like Gaston. He he's gonna do what he has to to win, even if it's a little, little weird. Okay, the uh, the eggs thing, one of the more iconic portions of this song. His verse when he's talking about how many eggs he ate as a child and then as a kid or as a as an adult to become big and strong reminds me of like any time like any random story that any like third grader has told you. Like, oh, oh, mister, mister, that once, once when I, when I was little, I used to eat, I used to eat four dozen eggs, but now I'm big boy and I, I eat five dozen eggs now. It's like, thanks Gaston. I guess that's still too many eggs. You didn't know it's way too you. many eggs. It's, it's, <laughs> no. it's way too much cholesterol with all of those yolks <laughs> and honestly, like way too much protein, more than your body can process. When I live in Kansas City and I could buy 60 eggs for $1.50 at Walmart, I used to eat six egg whites. No, oh. I used to eat 10. I used to eat ah. 10 egg whites a day. Sometimes one yolk, sometimes no yolk. But that's basically like 50 grams of protein in one sitting. And that's literally like still a fifth of what Gaston eats <laughs> in a day. And I can say with personal experience that do not recommend because okay. of rancid flatulence. <laughs> Unbearable. Not great. One of my favorite fan edits on YouTube is that every time you say Gaston, they cut to Gaston eating five dozen eggs. <laughs> <laughs> hope those are free range eggs. Oh. You would hope so. There were a lot of free range birds in uh, in this little town. Oh, but how many like th that requires so many birds to produce that many eggs for Gaston to eat? <laughs> 
all of the farmers are just harvesting <laughs> eggs for Gaston. Like no one else in the town eats eggs because Gaston has been eating them all since he was a child. Everyone else just but, gets the baguettes. Well, there there is that lady who's like, I need six eggs. <laughs> it's like maybe it's because there's an egg shortage why she's so like uh urgently says how bad she needs these eggs. Gaston's <laughs> running a stride. And, and she's like, she's she's like, that's too expensive. And it's like, well, yeah, the price of eggs is ridiculous because there is a scarcity of eggs because Gaston eats them all. Gaston oh is single-handedly driving the egg economy in this small town. Oh my gosh. That's uh it tracks. It honestly it does. It, it does track. I'm I'm mind blown that we've just we've just uncovered that. Uh this is uh, a Mencken and Ashman versus Macon and Ashman uh matchup, which is bound to happen when we're talking any Disney song. It could be the same with the Sherman brothers. Like there's Disney loves to hook onto the songwriter and, and composer duos and and take them on. Right now, it's Daddy Lynn. <laughs> We're about to see him again in, in Canto, and so uh, we'll see how that one turns out as well. Uh, but in this matchup, I'm going to go with the number one here still, Poor Unfortunate Souls. I think that it's it's definitely the better villain song, even though uh, Gaston's song shows the loyalty of his subjects. The The actual content of the song is, is really just uh, a big old hype for this dude who is way too into himself. And who is destroying the egg economy uh, five dozen eggs at a time. Yeah, I think I think one thing that I really like about Poor Unfortunate Souls um, and kind of like the one little there's like a little glimmer of Ursula's character here when it seems like she's kind of talking out of both sides of her mouth. Yeah. When she's kind of trying to like lure in Ariel by talking about these like gender stereotypes. She's like, men don't like a lot of blabber. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. Uh, and my favorite, favorite line in the whole thing, don't underestimate the importance of body language. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, so good. Yeah. And it's like, clearly, um, clearly she doesn't believe all right. of that stuff she's saying, um, but she's trying to like lure in Ariel, uh, with those stereotypes Mm -hmm. completely totally totally lying this idea of the contracts is is like so fascinating yeah like this this is like the this is like the logic of the (laughs) of the conflict is like well it's bound by the contract so i can make myself huge through magic, I can make myself turn into this ma- mythical beast of an octopus woman. But God forbid somebody doesn't sign a contract so that I can get what I want from them using my magic. It is so funny that it's that's the binding uh, uh, issue at hand. What like what sold me on the board game Villainous, which I've been playing occasionally for a few years now, is when yeah. you play as Ursula. All the other villains, like you can vanquish heroes through just like a fighting kind of action whereas mm-hmm. ursula the only way to defeat a villain <laughs> on her board is to assign a contract to them <laughs> and then they're like eliminated from the game which is really funny i just think that 
that like that is such a unique especially like in the disney universe like a unique villain quality being just like obsessed with contracts um and that sort of like makes her feel validated in everything that she does like look hey she signed a contract like what am i supposed to do about it (laughs) clearly she knew what she was getting into she's covered uh yeah so i like that i i mean it's a good song. Uh, it's so fun. It's one of those songs that's just so impressive. Like it's a show-stopping number, especially uh, on Broadway in the short-lived Broadway version of The Little Mermaid, where like I picture myself kind of like in Ariel's shoes hmm. and just watching this number play out in front of me, <laughs> and then at the end just being like. <laughs> give me that contract I, yeah, yeah you give, deserve I'll, this one <laughs> whatever whatever it is i'll sign it because that was that was fun what you just did just now yeah i mean and that does happen uh it's a lot like friends on the other side you were talking about how you kind of liked seeing um the action and some of these villain songs are just kind of like an anthem about like here's what i believe in whereas this is really like um singing while something is going down in the plot so there's a there's a similarity there, and and I do agree that that uh, can kind of be a positive trait to a villain song. But I'm I'm gonna be stubborn. I'm gonna stick with Gaston. It's 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 one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> I still fine. like the villainy of his uh, his charisma hmm. and and his archetypal uh, white man personality. So this one's going to Mandy for the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. These are two just like all-time classic songs. Um, So one of my favorite stories about Poor Unfortunate Souls is that Pat Carroll initially didn't want to be Ursula. She was like, I don't want to do it. And then Howard Ashman sent her a demo of him singing this song. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. And like copied his inflections and, like, so many people from the Broadway cast of Little Mermaid have also done covers of this song, like Titus Burgess, uh, Norm Lewis. Like, they've all done, they were like, I was in the show, but this is the song I wanted to sing, which I think just goes to show how powerful this song is. Um, and Gaston, I love it. I also love the Broadway version. Um, but I will say that as um, a former drama teacher to young kids, doing the cup dance to Gaston is uh, a hell I don't want to go through again. <laughs> where you're screaming at the kids. It goes up, down, cross, out, breath, right, ah, da. It's like, and they don't get it. They're just, you do it so many times. You put so many, like, blood, sweat, and tears. And you just, like, just bang the cl- cups with rhythm together like they do on Broadway, please. Oh, and uh, they just can't do it. So, unfortunately, that is ruined. Gaston, a bit for me, it is still an all-time classic song. Uh, no one blanks like Gaston is such a phrase. Um, but I think just based off of how Howard Ashman convinced Pat Carroll alone to do this through a demo, I'm going to have to go with Poor Unfortunate Souls. Gaston right. is the uh, the OG cup song, it sounds oh. like, huh? <laughs> OG cup song. Move over, sounds- Anna Kendrick. Also, I never mentioned it, but I always mention it, so I have to mention it, is that the live-action version of Gaston is the superior version of Gaston. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, obviously, Luke Evans is Luke Evans. Yeah. Uh, there's some... They, they changed the lyrics in a few places in that song, and like, I'm not 100% sure about some of those alterations, but uh, it is it is a good adaptation a f- of the song. Yeah. 
uh, I'm over here just picturing Mandy's drama class, like straight out of chorus <laughs> line, just like intense. intense. Yeah. Well, because my mom's a drama teacher at the elementary school, so I was raised with that. And then I came back to help choreograph the kids, and I just <laughs> I understood her pain for all those years. All right. Well, let's hop to the next matchup. It's number four, Friends on the Other Side versus five, Heaven's Light. Don't have anything else to say about friends on the other side, but I want to have a little crack at Heaven's Light Please do. Hellfire. Please do. I'm wearing my Providence Friars hat for this recording. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. So I love that Kyle shouted out the juxtaposition of Heaven's Light and Hellfire. And... Just as we know Kyle loves 101 Dalmatians on this podcast, we know I love songs that deal with religion. And this seeing this like disparity between how Quasimodo sees uh, love and affection and attraction up against how Claude Frollo sees love and affection and attraction, it's just like it opens up a whole conversation about that very topic and like its place in not just the Catholic church, but like all churches and like, wh- like what is right? What is not right? Uh, what do we support? What do we condemn? Blah, 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 blah. We don't have to have that conversation on this podcast, <laughs> but, it, but, but like having these songs one right after another, like it, it gets you thinking about that, you know, yeah. it's like, wh- so why, why does Claude Frollo have to like hate himself for having these feelings? And meanwhile, like Quasimodo can, can feel so like, happy you know like why not so i like that um it is very mature for a disney movie to super to, to think to about like, this kind of stuff but to also just like stop the film and just it's just frollo alone this isn't even like a him speaking to some it's like him speaking to the fire and the statues of the virgin mary it is so intimate and intense for a film that's put out by Disney. It's crazy. Uh, the way that he describes this feeling that's inside of him, like hellfire. And he wants Asmerelda to feel that feeling that he's feeling, the feeling of like guilt, the feeling of sin, of attraction. He wants her to feel that, but like actually. <laughs> and, and, and that's obviously so messed up. And we talked about him on the last episode, like biggest POS in all of all of Disney because it is how twisted his his attitudes are towards women in particular. And and it's terrifying mm-hmm. when when we see him articulating it like this, where it's like, hey, you know, the way I'm feeling about her is making me making me feel really guilty. And it it's like a burning sensation. And so I feel like she should probably feel that too, but it's going to be actual. We're going to put her on a pyre and burn her to death mm-hmm. because we want her to die in the most painful <laughs> way possible. Oh it's God. so jacked up, you know, and I'm sorry I have to like put it out there like that, but that's, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That, that's what we're singing about right now with this Disney song. Yeah. You've got some really great word choice um, when in the first verse when Frollo is talking about himself. Um, he's singing to Mer- to Virgin Mary. You know, I'm so much purer than the common, vulgar, weak, licentious crowd. Licentious word of yeah. the day. And when he describes Asmerelda, he describes her hair color as raven, 
which is so much more powerful than just black, which is what 99% of people would describe her hair. Raven, it gives it kind of like, there's a sheen to it and maybe like a slight kind of like blueness to it almost uh, that is like not just beautiful, but captivating and sort of eerie and like scary or even like sinister right like yeah yeah totally the thing i think that horrifies me the most about this or maybe not horrifies me the most but but the thing that i think makes this a good fill-in song for frollo is you see the gears turning in his head where he starts out he like he's just bearing his soul he's just talking about how he's feeling i saw this girl she's making me feel this way i feel really bad about it but then he goes down it's not my fault i'm not to blame it's the gypsy girl the witch who sent this flame goes on and on and on to eventually say uh basically it's not my fault yeah you said that last week like it's it's clearly her fault uh, so seeing the kind of like mental gymnastics that Frollo does in this moment to like absolve himself of any wrongdoing in the situation is just like disgusting. It like yeah. makes my skin crawl yeah. to think about how someone could, could do that, could justify themselves in that way. And like, there are people like there are people that do that in the world. Oh, Obviously yeah. probably much, much uh less dangerous types of situations here but it like oh yeah it happens all the time all narcissistic the time. type people who who are in a situation and they go you know what it's not my fault like it's definitely the other person's fault and to take it even a step further to like blame women specifically for these problems for a little the type of authority figure to ban bra straps in schools because it's the girl's fault that Boys are distracted. No, I'm saying like it's kneecaps, elbows, shoulders. They got to go. They got to go. Everything got to be covered. I mean, it's it's absolutely hellfire for me in this (laughs) matchup. Um, I like. Yes. Friend on the other side. uh, Great rendition. Great performance. Fun song. Underrated song. But love these love these songs disney songs in general that make me really question themes and think about the real world out there and this is definitely a heavy-handed pour of that energy yeah i wish that friends on the other side was up against um poor unfortunate souls in this most current one because i really wanted that battle of the witch songs and friends on the other side would have taken it but in this matchup so a thing that i had an issue with last time was that i feel like disney films need to uh disney songs move the plot along and they do so in a digestible way and fidelity fidelity fiduciary bank did that not so well because i think it goes over a lot of people's heads unless you listen to it over and over again you sit on it which i do which, which, if you're Chris, you definitely do. But with Heaven's Lion Hellfire, you're given the rest of the movie in this exact moment, and it's so easy to see what's happening here. And it's so easy to see why Frollo is the way he is, 
not even just from the beginning when he drop kicks Quasi's mom to death on the stairs, but like now we see it's not it's there's more to it. He hates women. He hates this race of gypsies. He thinks that it is it is his god given right to to be the authority figure over all of these people and he needs to rid them if they if he makes if they make him feel any other way. And in this experience, it is this lust and love that he feels for Esmeralda, admiration, right? That makes him want to sympathize with the exact thing that he's supposed to be hating this entire time. And they do it in a way that is very obvious. Like, I think that even maybe not kids, but kids could understand that he wants to kill her because he almost he basically says it. Um, And we're like, okay, Quasi loves her. He hates her. That's what the rest of this movie is going to be about. But for the adults, we're like, oh, he hates her, hates her. And he hates her, hates her because he hates himself for feeling this way. And he's trying to justify it. I will go to bat for the score of Hunchback of Notre Dame because I think it is gorgeous. It is a gorgeous score. And this Hellfire theme carries the entire score throughout. It is a heavy theme. It is in the opening credits, it is in the final number, it is over everything um, because it's used as this motif for the entire film. It's just so freaking smart. Um, Friends on the Other Side, fantastic song. One of my favorite Disney songs, I think, just in the catalog. Um, but when you're up against like Hellfire, it's hard not to go with it. I'm going to go with number five Hellfire, which means it's going to move on. Mandy, what are your thoughts with that? You know, I am getting excited because I think I mentioned that one of the ones <laughs> I was rooting for, uh, I didn't want to reveal what it was because I didn't want to get hopes up, but uh, it's, it's Hellfire, spoiler. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk more about it because I do agree. I think it's one of the most like genius Disney songs ever written, but we'll get further into it uh, once, we, once we get in that final four matchup, so... All right, let's talk about the next matchup. It's number two, Be Prepared from the Lion King versus number 10, Shiny. Oh, boy. Be Prepared is such a good villain song. Scar, in this moment, is revealing his plan to his hyena henchmen of how he's going to take the throne. And what's so genius about this is that they use the hyena's inability to comprehend anything to explain to the audience exactly what's going to happen before it happens. I mentioned that like this multiple use of the word pride last time really got me going, but there's a ton other of that. Um, he's He says right after that, it's clear from your vacant expressions, mentioning the hyenas, that the lights are not all on upstairs, but we're talking kings and successions. Even you can't be caught unaware. Like, okay. Kings and successions, you're like, okay, that's, all right, we're, we're thinking something bad's going to happen, like somebody has to die, somebody's going to take the place. Um, and he, he reveals that the hyenas are so dumb that he lets us know that he's going to kill Mufasa and become the king. And it's such a well, like the Radigan song, right? There's a middle of the song where it's just dialogue, but the music cuts out. And we have to sit through like them chatting about how Radigan's not a rat. He's a really, really big mouse. And we hear Felicia eat Bartholomew. 
But in this, we still get the music behind the hyenas having to process what Scar is talking about in a way that is very funny, I think. The, the famous line of, be prepared, we'll be prepared for what? For the death of the king. What, is he sick? That is such <laughs> a good way. It's just so funny. It is so funny to me. And then, of course, we learn that, no, he's, he's going to kill him. And it's long live the king, long live the king. But probably my favorite line in this entire thing is, and now every source that I've seen, it says it as and, and injustice deliciously squared. I, I think it's an, an injustice deliciously squared. Like there, there is a, there is one injustice that is, but even in the context of like the line before it and injustice deliciously squared, sure, we can live with it. But that line is so beautiful because it is Scar thinking that he is the one that wants the throne or that should deserve the throne. Mufasa having it is the injustice and him getting it back squares the deal, makes it all right. And it, that's, a, mm, that's a chef kiss. That is delicious. But it's also delicious because we'll kill him. The hyenas can eat him and then the hyenas can continue to eat out the entire pride land. This is an injustice that is deliciously squared for everyone involved. It is such a good line. <laughs> can I go can I go one further? Please. Squared squared has a double meaning there. Squared made even, but also squared multiplied injustice that is the the um but inheritance of make right. Right, the and Char is about to commit an injustice as well, and oh he knows it. Oh my god, it. it goes deeper. It's such a good line. Oh, I like. Oh, it's so. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Also, Scar just straight spits at the end, like the the double chanting, the hyenas chanting about food, juxtaposed to like Scar planning this plot out. Meticulous planning, tenacity spanning, decades of denial is simply why I'll be king undisputed, respectful, saluted, from seen for the wonder I am. Yes, my teeth and ambitions are bare, dude. Oh, he's spit! Scar's spit! Bars. Oh, bars, dude. It is such a good song. While the hyenas are chanting, we love food, lots of food, we repeat endless meat. It just shows, oh. God, it just gives the the entire uh, volume of the of the situation in one awesome song, and then the visuals to go along with it is just like, you know, it's always compared to like Hitler, just like these mindless followers as Scar is up on a rock, and you have the soldiers marching by, and they turn their heads to Scar as they pass. Like everything about this song is just perfect to me oh i love it so much uh all that hype to go over to shiny which i also do love so much uh it's a really fun song i i think it's very smart it's it plays into the wordplay that jermaine clement is very well known for uh the casual kind of digs him pointing out the obvious there's a lot of him making jokes and telling us to oh did you get it you get it or uh he says there's one line where he says some word 
that I that he tells us to look up and I didn't even look it up. He like he calls himself what his Latin name is for crab or something mm-hmm. like that. And he says, look it up like he fits that in. It's very Fly of the Concords. It's very Jermaine. It's very that character. Um, I like it, but be prepared is a freaking juggernaut, dude. Number two is moving on for me. Last episode, you were talking about how Tamatoa roasts people. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma and lied, but she also I, died. Yeah. It's interesting <laughs> that you see that kind of as him just being a savage in the moment. Yeah. I see that as an extension of him being this alluring creature. Maui and Moana both are very stubborn people. Yep. And so Tamatoa knows this and he is purposefully hitting their pressure points Mm. because he knows that it will put them on the offensive and draw them into him so that that he can can eat at them. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're a thousand percent correct. It's expert it's expert manipulation on, oh, yeah. on his part. Love love how this song escalates throughout. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, like at the very beginning, it's like, oh, okay, what's going on here? All right. And then like by the end of the song, it's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in too deep. Like he has gone into like Blacklight raver Tamatoa mode, body paint Tamatoa, and the room spinning, and he's like, "Oh, we yeah. gonna get you now?" And I'm like, "Where am I'm I? I'm done. Right now? I'm done. I'm toast. <laughs> this is it. This is how I go down." Um, I we talked about it a lot on the underrated Disney song bracket. It's awesome. I love it. I love Be Prepared as well. I'm going with Shiny though. Oh, I'm going with Shiny in the upset. I got to give it to my boy Jermaine. Got to okay. give it to the visuals on this song as well. Um, and I, I just think it's Tomatoa, really kind of an insignificant character to Moana, to the Disney mm-hmm. universe. But I think it's a, it's just a fun little one off. So it's a it's a good listen. So I'm okay. I'm going with it here, Mandy. You're breaking the tie. Ah. Ah! Wow. Oh my gosh, I love both of these songs so much. Um, I think in this case, though, I gotta go with Be Prepared because when I think of Disney villain songs, I also think of what still terrifies me as an adult today. And Be Prepared is so ominous. I love Shiny, it's a bop, but I also don't feel that intimidated. I feel like I'm gonna go party with Bowie. <laughs> and and maybe get eaten by a crab, but the crab is Jermaine Clement, so it's okay. Like I'm I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, be prepared. Just still sends shivers down my spine, so I gotta go with that one. All right, so let's move on to our final round of eight matchup. Who will join the others in the final four? It's number three, Oogie Boogie Song, versus number six, Mother Knows Best. What a matchup! This is yeah, this is this a good is matchup. a good. This is a really good matchup. Uh, Mother Knows Best, we talk about it a little bit. Last week, we've got a Gaslighter anthem here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just Mother Gothel trying to do everything she can to manipulate Rapunzel into believing how much dangerous stuff is out there. Uh, 
at one point she just starts just naming anything she can think of that might be dangerous. Uh, she says like, you'll get trampled by a rhinoceros or something <laughs> at some point. It's like, all right, okay. You know, but like Rapunzel doesn't know any better. So, uh, it's, it's just a great way to set up that character and just like how full of it she is and the lengths she's willing to go to to keep Rapunzel in that tower performed mm-hmm. by the incomparable Donna Murphy, two-time Tony award-winning actress, five-time Tony award nominee. Uh, in the film world, she portrayed a uh, doc Ox wife in yes. Spider-Man two. <laughs> we might see her back with this multiverse opens up. Donna Murphy. Ooh, multiverse. Yes. We, might. we might, that might be the one Donna Murphy role. Uh, the general public knows, but she was also in, Star Trek Insurrection. She was uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard's love interest. Right. And uh, the planet that they go to, uh, Baku, which is definitely different from Batu. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she was... Jean-Luc Picard as like a romantic guy, always kind of a funny situation. Uh, I'm like a casual Star Trek, the next generation fan. So uh, I remember her from that movie. No. Her, her kiss was with uh, Patrick Stewart was cut, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, and Patrick Stewart is like on record being really disappointed that that scene got cut. Oh. He's like, he's like, I thought fans wanted to see that man. Like, there's a love story there. Come on. Uh. So super funny. Um, yeah, Captain Picard and Mother Gothel, match made in heaven, right? Oh yeah, totally, totally. So this song, uh, just lyrical genius, um, and just performed expertly, super fun. Listen, uh, very wordy, which I really like going up against the Oogie Boogie song (sighs) nightmare before Christmas. It won our best Halloween movie bracket a year Um, ago. Yeah. And Oogie Boogie is is a very interesting component to that movie. He really doesn't show up until the very, very end. And we see him at the beginning. He gets one line in This Is Halloween. So you kind of always know he's there in the background, which maybe that's the point. Like the boogeyman's always lurking, never Hmm. there. So I, I could understand that interpretation. But we don't really meet him until the very end when Lock, Shock, and Barrel uh, kidnap Santa Claus and they throw him down into Oogie Boogie's little pit uh, and and he decides to have some fun with Santa Claus. Uh, Oogie Boogie portrayed by Ken Page who uh, our Broadway fans will know him as old Deuteronomy from Cats. Whoa, what? <laughs> um, if you've never seen Cats, don't watch. I mean, I didn't hate the HBO. No, uh, no, no, no. I didn't hate it. Don't watch it. It was don't not. It's it. not. It's it's not good. It's really not good. But it was better than I thought it would be. Uh, but yeah, watch the stage uh, filmed version. Was so Rum Tum Tugger? Uh, that was that was a childhood awakening for me for the Broadway recorded <laughs> version. You gotta watch Cats, the Broadway recorded sure. version. Amazing. Um. Yeah, and I mean Ken Page is in it. Ken Page is old, old Deuteronomy, who is like the wise sage cat who's kind mm-hmm. of like a spiritual leader to all of them. I digress. He is also Oogie Boogie. Um and <laughs> d- and delivers just this uh just incredible performance in this song in particular. 
very jazzy, very upbeat, very fun. It's much, It's a lot like a world's greatest criminal mind, though, where he really he's just kind of like singing about how bad he is and like the types of things that he does. Yeah. And it also feels like almost like a it's a, a taunt of a song, right? He's like always getting so close and then yeah, nah, 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 he goes off and talks about, um, you know, I'm feeling antsy. There's nothing much to do. I, I don't know. I might cook a little batch of snake and spider stew ah nah but no i won't like it's one of those where the person's just like flinching every time he gets near you (laughs) ed ivory has some good uh refrains in that song yeah (laughs) release me now you will have to answer for this heinous act (laughs) i really want to go with oogie boogie because of ken page's performance in this song i think the the michael talked about oogie boogie's death being a really like visually satisfying one and the bugs coming out of him and oogie boogie has pretty pretty good character design i think i oh, like yeah. i would agree with that yeah and when this song goes black light it's pretty fun totally especially when you know that it's like stop motion shiny was fun when it was black light but to know that this was actually like <laughs> they had to shoot this in black light that's crazy Oogie Boogie, I don't think this is a hot take at all. I am sure this is something you two will agree with. Oogie Boogie somehow got given this like top tier villain status that I feel like is not earned. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I I get that he's recognizable and he is a very like stereotypical scary character. But like to get an event named after him and to be <laughs> such like a central focus of like the Honda Mansion holiday a lot of the times, I just like, like I said, this guy's like, it comes in at the very end of the movie and like the movie's not really even about Jack versus Oogie. It's like, he's just kind of a he's, side plot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I wonder if it's because his villainy is so vague like it, he's just kind of this evil person that obviously like tortures people, but that they can make like a boogie boogie bash because it's not tied to a specific thing he's known for. You know what I'm saying? But yes, he is. He's given way too much power for the villain that he actually plays in like this Disney zeitgeist. I think I'm going to have to go with Mother Knows Best. I think you get the best of both worlds with this one. You get a really fun song. You get a great performance. And you get a very real villain uh, talking about some very real types of villainy. So that one's advancing for me to the final four. Yeah. I'm going to do the same. And it's going to be based on the argument that... Oogie Boogie didn't really exist in the film until the very end, as you said. And so this song feels, by the time we get to it, feels not forced because we've been in this musical the entire time, but it feels unnecessary because we haven't grown with this character. We don't know who this character is. This This whole thing has been centered around Jack and Sally, and all of a sudden we're introduced to this other character. It... It's a great Halloween song, 
it's a great one to whip out during October. But as far as like Disney villain songs go, Mother Knows Best is definitely the better one because that explains all of Rapunzel's hesitancies towards leaving the tower when she could have left the tower um, and guides the manipulation of Mother Gothel from the very start. And we're going to see it over and over again throughout the movie, how she's able to manipulate people to get what she wants. Um, So I'm agreeing with you. Uh, Mother Knows Best moves on. Mandy, do you agree with us? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel like Kidnap the Sandy Claws is even a better Mm. Disney villain song from Nightmare Before Christmas (laughs) than Oogie Boogie song. Oogie Boogie is just like straight gaslighting this entire song. We don't know who he is. He doesn't give any information about himself. He just goes, you're joking, you're joking. Like, and I'm going to eat stew, but I'm not saying why I'm doing this. I'm just going to say you're dumb. Like, it just, I don't know. Uh, It does pay nice homage to um, Cab Calloway, who we also hear around the Halloween time, because he did that St. James Infirmary Blues song for that Betty Boop short where he's a skeleton and all you hear is like, ooh, hadi, 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 ooh. Like, it, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. very much in that style. Um, so I really like that. Um, but yeah, Mother Knows Best, one of my favorite like little um, uh, stories about that is Tangled's directors approached Alan Menken and Glenn Slater, who wrote the music for Tangled, and said, we really want... A Broadway number because we got freaking Donna Murphy. We got to do something for her. And they were like, well, the whole score is like supposed to be inspired by like Joni Mitchell. Like it's supposed to be folk. Like we really don't want to do that. But Tangle's director is like, you got to do it. It's Donna Murphy. And they did it. And the reviews were like phenomenal for Mother Knows Best because Donna Murphy just like eats it up. Like she just, yep. her vocal performance in this is amazing. So I'm, I'm happy it's moving on here. Yeah, when I was doing research for these and I always went to the reception uh, portion of every article because I wanted to see if any of these won awards or or had any acclaim, which most didn't. We just know them because they're famous villains. But this section of the article was fat. Like it was just like Rolling Stone said, uh, this prominent uh, 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 music critic said like, Everyone loved it and it almost it basically stole the show for that entire film. Um, And yeah, her her voice is incredible. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to our first final four matchup. It is number one, Poor Unfortunate Souls versus number five, Hellfire. Oh, my God. I don't know if there's a ton more that can be said about either of these. But I do have one thing to ask of the two of you with how this song ends. So he says, like, God have mercy on my soul. God have mercy on our soul. Um, he also says she will be mine or she will burn. Now, is this Frollo saying that he wants to eliminate this lust by capturing it for himself and it's this weird like giving into lust by like having her conform to his church ways or is it like she will be mine as in she is forever going to be my prisoner who i'm eventually going to kill like is he trying she will be mine as in i'm trying to capture her she will be mine as in i'm going to 
give in to my love, but it's because it's under my pretense. It's not because she, uh, uh, she tempted me. No, I think, I don't think he's going for like a captive situation. I think he's going for, I think he's so self-obsessed that he truly believes that like he will propose to her or in some way Mm. proposition her and she will respond positively Hmm. uh, somehow, some way. I think deep down, a lot of these villains have soft hearts and a lot of them are scared and have a lot of fears. And I think Frollo, because he, the the thing that does it for me is he holds on to that scarf and like that really, I think shows a tender side to him and that he it, it is more than a lust for him. I think he is making it about lust, but deep down it is, it is a, a true love for Asmerelda. And that is, is that is the burning feeling that he's actually feeling mm-hmm. that feeling of infatuation. And so I think when he says she will be mine, I think he truly wants that like a, like an actual romantic connection with her. And he believes huh. that he can get that for some reason. Yeah. That's that's very interesting um, because I had a similar feeling. I totally forgot about the scarf. Um, but that is a very good point that he does keep that as a reminder, as a token of who Esmeralda is. And, and he like sniffs it, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, it's gross. And right before he does say like, now Gypsy, it's your turn. Choose me or your pyre. Um, so mm. he... I I personally don't believe it's as purely motivated his feelings for Esmeralda. I have uh, a thought that, you know, even if she does choose him, he's going to do some bad things. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it, it, oh gosh, like just, just she will be mine or she will burn. It, like, this song is so hard to talk about in this day and age because you can get into some really deep, dark territory. It is just totally. still such a prevalent social commentary about things happening in our world today. Um, but yeah, I agree that, like, he does have this strong infatuation with Esmeralda. And in his mind, he would say, I'm so powerful. You must choose me. You must do this. And if you don't, you're going to die. Um, that's how I kind of interpret it. Yeah. And. What I like about Disney villain songs is that there's often a portion of it that comes back to bite them, to get them, or whatever they are attempting to do to our protagonist will eventually happen to them. And we have Scar with Be Prepared for this this reclaim of succession, which he wasn't prepared for, and that's... That was his demise, is simply coming back and taking his rightful place as king of the Pride Lands. We have the fires of hell consuming Frollo at the end of this. Like him setting this town ablaze and the church itself allowing for the blaze to continue, like the gargoyles coming to life and, and pouring the lava over the edges. First of all, incredible scene beautiful scene when they do the wide shot of the lava falling down we talked about it in deaths a little bit but he's consumed by hellfire like 
that's quite literally what happens to him even though he describes it as that like burning lust it's not it is his hatred is what this hellfire is his wrongness is what this hellfire is um ursula <clears throat> becomes a poor unfortunate soul but she also just becomes a big monster that we have to defeat in the very end uh when these two are matched up against each other in the best Disney villain song bracket uh, it's it's tough because you want to go with the icon but i think i'm going to do the upset i think i'm going to move on hellfire i think that people i think the masses would say poor unfortunate souls because it is very well known it is used in absolutely everything when it comes to villains but hellfire is such a sneaky smart but consumable song that we can talk about and discover more things three rounds into a discussion like us talking about what it means by her be mine like we can continue to talk about this thing but we also understand that that line is sinister hellfire it is for me i i think absolutely hellfire is the better song here i think where i'm disagreeing with you is on the consumable part um so many of these hunchback songs are semi-difficult to consume out there is one of them where you have to sit through that <laughs> like weird dialogue uh, between frollo and quasi before you get to the song i mean there might be a out there radio edit or something but on this soundtrack like that's how it is this one you got to sit through both heaven's light and hellfire um and it's also just very heavy you know i mean mm -hmm. yes i'll give it the bay bridge test okay <laughs> your new test cranked it, crank, cranked it up on the commute and like it it is tough, it's, tough. Like, it's heavy it's a weird way to like go about your day just like listening to hellfire like while i'm trying to drive you know <laughs> you get the like latin chanting i'm like getting off on bryant street and there's the guy who is like in a wheelchair asking for money and it's like hellfire I'm like, I'm in trouble right now. Well, you know, I got to keep this for the bank. I got to invest this into the bank. I've, I've been told this is the way to build my wealth, investing in railroads in Africa. <laughs> so no pun intended, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Ooh. And I'm going to go with poor, unfortunate souls because I, I think though Hellfire is a better song, the better Disney song is the one that is more listenable you can crank it up you can sing along it's a people pleaser everyone knows it it's poor unfortunate soul for me to the final so mandy's breaking a final four tie here oh my it. gosh this is so insanely tough i mean so you got alan Menken and howard ashman versus alan Menken and stephen schwartz if mm -hmm. you don't know stephen schwartz another broadway star has written Pippin has written Godspell, like just an amazing lyricist and, and musician. And, oh, this is so tough. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to have to, 
also go with the upset and choose Hellfire. And I know there's going to be so people who are so many people who are so mad at me because Poor Unfortunate Souls is amazing, um, incredible. I think Howard Ashman. It's like one of his best songs. Um, it it it's so singable. I mean, they had even that. Um, little room in California Adventure in uh, the animation studio where you could go down and like sing as Ursula to that song. Um, it is an all-time Disney classic and a great, but I think Hellfire, just the way it takes us into <laughs> Frollo's like just twisted consciousness, and we can talk more about it. Like the Latin chanting really correlates strongly with his inner turmoil. Um, and just the deeper you dive into this song, the more of a rabbit hole you go into about just like, how, how did they make this for Disney? Like, this is a magnum opus. Like they made this for an animated film and it, it's the, the amount of thought in it is just incredible. Um, so I love Poor Unfortunate Souls. This is such a tough matchup, but I love Hellfire even more. <laughs> so I'm going to move it on here. All right. So who will meet Hellfire in the finals? It's number two, be prepared or number six. Mother knows best. I'm going to use the same criteria here. I think <laughs> the uh, my relationship with listening to Be Prepared yeah, is know. on a cassette tape, uh, frightened as a <laughs> toddler, uh, whereas Mother knows best is is a fun is a fun listen. It passes the Bay Bridge test. I think the the performances on both obviously are incredible, but I think I think Mother Knows Best is just a bit more snackable. It's it's a better Disney song for me. So, so I pretty much without any further conversation, I got Mother Knows Best. For me, it's Be Prepared. I've kind of gushed over how much I love the lyricism in this song. This is I'm like you. I had that cassette tape, and this was one of my favorite songs on it. I didn't grow up to be a psychopath, so I'm okay. Everything's fine. But I think it's just such a Baybridge test. I'll give me the Bart test. I'll sit on Bart just freaking sitting there. <laughs> just bobbing, dude. Just bobbing. Like, oh, what? What? He's he's not saying he we're gonna kill him, dude. We're gonna kill him just out here. Meticulously planning to spanning. Like, I'm just getting in. I'm getting in. Be prepared for sure is the better uh, villain song. I have this weird relationship with Mother Knows Best because when we were in Santa Barbara, when we went to school in Santa Barbara, LA was very, or OC was closer than we are currently in the Bay. And so on the drives from Santa Barbara to Anaheim, you could throw on it like a Disney song playlist and you would get through the slaps in these couple of hours that it took to drive there and mother knows best always showed up right after some like absolute epic banger and i was like i don't have time for this like wordplay i don't have time for this right now skip it was always an insta skip for me um be prepared always stay on it i love that song it's moving on mandy you're deciding the finals. I'm like kind of regretting being a co-host. <laughs> these are so many tough choices. Oh my gosh. All right. Unfortunately here, yeah, I got to go again with the one that still gives me chills as an adult today. And that is be prepared. Um, Mother Knows Best. Donna Murphy. I love her performance. It is incredible. Um, 
and it really does like hit home like those those tensions between mother and daughter even though like mother gothel is not rapunzel's real mother but (laughs) it's still it feels very much like that in the song um but unfortunately it's just uh it's it's a bit it still feels like a very light-hearted listen um you really have to go into the lyrics to to get that sinisterness um and at the end she does say you know like don't ever leave this tower again and that's when it really hits <laughs> you like oh god like she is uh, a baddie um but i think be prepared just from the offset is like oh bad vibes bad bad vibes so i'm gonna have to go with that here all right we're in the finals it's number five hellfire from the hunchback of notre dame versus number two be prepared from the lion king here's what i'm gonna say i'm going with the quote the murkiest plan the murkiest scam in fact i'm going with be prepared this is the best disney villain song start to finish i love it a lot it is just it is just perfect well i'm going i'm going hellfire I'm going with number five here. i mean i haven't i haven't advanced be prepared once and i'm not i'm not gonna do it here i think of course hellfire I think neither of these to me are are like on the top of a Disney playlist. Like, I'm sorry. I get that you like Be Prepared. I don't not like it. I just don't listen to it a lot. It's fine. Personal choice. Um, and I can't say I listen to Hellfire a lot either, but I think the th- both of these villains are very well fleshed out. These are two elite Disney villains. Scar was the winner of our best Disney villain bracket. Frollo, I think, made it to the final four. Um, both of these, they're just, they're just very deep, you know? Um, and, and they have very real villainy yes. inside. Like we said, Frollo has this narcissism about him where he's justified what he's doing. Scar, sure, same thing. But um, kind of like in the context of the Catholic Church, the way that Frollo kind of like at the very beginning says, I am a righteous man of my virtue. I am justly proud. What, sir? (laughs) This is a Wendy's. (laughs) Totally false. False. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Erroneous on both counts. Like (laughs) you are not. You literally killed a woman you, and almost drowned her child like you, you are not righteous and you first, should not feel justly proud of any virtues whatsoever. sir in the first 30 seconds that we met you you uh you assassinated a woman and then almost drowned a baby but like that is that is what this movie is trying to say yes about where the church was at this time in history where Basically, if you had a position of power in the church, you could do whatever you want and get away with it. Sanctuary. Messed up. Yeah, like as a history buff, as a religion yeah. buff, uh, as a villain buff, going with Hellfire for sure. It's an easy choice for me. So, Mandy, I mean, we put you through the ringer yeah, on, seriously. This, on this bracket. And so, like, what better way to end it than to I have you choose our winner? I am prepared to get a lot of hate. Uh, <laughs> Is that a hint? Be prepared Is that a hint? Is that a hint? <laughs> oh, gosh. 
So here's the thing. I mean, so on one hand, you have Elton John and Tim Rice, again, like just incredible, incredible songwriters. Tim Rice um, did the music for Evita, has done the music for a couple Broadway shows. And you have Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz, <laughs> also such an incredible duo. Um, I'm going to just talk through a couple points on Hellfire that I want to bring up. Please. Um, so when the priests are chanting, right, throughout the entire song, what that is, is it's a specific rite, a Catholic rite. It is confiteer, which is a portion of the penitential rite where people confess their sins. So all of the Latin you're hearing is like juxtaposing Claude Frollo's inner thoughts because he's saying like, it's not my fault. And then it, it, it's my fault. Mea culpa. It's my fault. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's this whole analysis of the lyrics where if you go into it, you know, of my virtues, I'm justly proud. That's the first time that he mentions one of the deadly sins. And he just references each of them in turn throughout the course of the song. Um, not explicitly, but in the lyrics, like you can definitely point to like, oh, this part's gluttony, this part's envy, this part's pride, this part's lust. And it just like, I feel like I could just dive into a wormhole in this song. Um, I also I feel like love... that every time I watch Hunchback of an Ocean, yes. like, there's so much more And like the here. fact that this is also juxtaposed with Heaven's Light, which is like in this major key, Tom Holtz is like talking, well, as Quasimodo is like talking about how this love for Esmeralda makes him feel like God is smiling on him, like heaven's light, like I feel like I'm finally like seen and, and pure. And then fuck, sorry, the Claude Frollo just drags us to hell, um, just drags us straight down. And it's in a minor key and you have the Latin chants and it, 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 it's so good. Like, I love Be Prepared. I think it's a classic Disney villain song. It is like the, the genius in the lyrics is also there. I have to go with Hellfire though. I can't believe I, I just took two back-to-back L's on scar-related topics. <laughs> this is a like I, I'm done. Then, like one more, one more fun fact though is that Tony J, who's Claude Frollo, that burn, that like last note yeah. that like gives me goosebumps every time I listen to it. He couldn't hit it. He had to go to Alan Megan and Stephen Schwartz and be like, can you please lower this key? I cannot hit it. And they straight up said, no, you got to do it. So he had to wow. take vocal lessons to be able to hit that note. And the amount of dedication and hard work that went into this like five minute song. I just like, I know I'm going to get hate. I know it. But I just I got to I got to recognize hey. back in Notre Dame somehow. It's hey. it's so good. I feel I, like I feel like Giannis just I, out here. Lion King's about to win. It is oh, for the block. Oh man! Dude, I, yeah, I, this is a—it's a bad look for your boy over here in Oakland. All right, we have crowned the winner of the best Disney villain song. It comes from the number five seed. It is Heaven's Light slash Hellfire from the movie Hunchback of Notre Dame. And as we do at the end of every single bracket, we are going to clap it out. I'm on a cold streak, and uh, depending on what happened, uh, either you experienced some cold or you're on a hot streak yourself, Chris. I don't know where you are in the world at this time. I hope you're on a hot streak and not like me, Uh, but this was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we got to dive back into music. I'm glad that we got to continue talking about Disney villains, and I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, spooky season is is over. Uh, it it is dead. 
uh, until <laughs> next year. Um, and we look forward to getting into some uh, some holiday spirit oh, type yeah. stuff um, in the coming weeks here. So, um, Mandy, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this bracket. Sorry we uh, we put you through it a little bit, but always appreciate having you. Oh, it's okay. You can feel free, listeners, to send hate to Mouse Madness Pod and, and, and roast me on Discord for my dumb choices. But uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, I, I always love coming on the pod uh i'm sorry if i had trash opinions this time around but i guess we'll see no this is great all right everyone well you know how to reach us if you have something to say about this bracket if you have a bracket idea of your own if you would like to hop on and do some guest hosting we would love to hear from you please send us an email at mousematterspodcast.gmail.com or hit us up on social media run uh twitter instagram facebook those are linked in the description of the podcast as well as our discord channel which is where we are talking about disney all day long with all of our buddies mandy's in it uh, she's our tiktok correspondent she's always sending us <laughs> oh gosh uh, great disney tiktok that's something but... i forgot to mention is how many of the disney villain songs are now tiktok audios yes incredible uh, also y'all remind we're on patreon now uh, subscribe to our patreon feeds for some bonus content uh, video feeds of episodes trivia is coming up next month cannot wait working on some great questions that's at patreon.com slash mouse madness till next time we will see you friends on the other side i want to be like you